0: And now we get to the great part of the evening where we get to hear the word of the Lord. Amen. And for that, we are honored and privileged for a flying visit from Durban. Pastor Rufus is going to share the word with us. Wonderful man of God, many years in the ministry too, so understands the struggles um, and the challenges, but also understands the blessings and the anointing of God. So, Pastor, we welcome you. Be blessed, be free. Beloved, I just want to say that I feel honored uh, this evening to uh, speak on this uh, important occasion uh, of the celebration uh, of the life and ministry of uh, Pastor John and and Bev for these 35 years. I also want to say that... uh, that when a church can hold a special meeting like this to take their time to honor a man of God, I think the church itself has to be commended. And uh, we want to commend you as uh, the leadership of this church and also as uh, sons and daughters of this house, this local house. Thank God for the transition that has taken place where we realize we are no more members of a church, but we are sons and daughters. And uh, we understand that pastors and uh, people being in the ministry is not a job, but they are people that are fathers, spiritual fathers that are raising up sons and daughters to fulfill the mam- mandate and the purpose of God. When uh, <clears throat> when the name John Wasserman comes to mind, you can never not put with John Wasserman, Outrageous Grace. And uh, that is what I want to share for these uh, moments that I have, even though Pastor John said I've got 45 minutes, but uh, that's the amount of time actually I need to go to Durban. (laughs) Because when you're flying, that's the amount of time you need. But talking about uh, outrageous grace... One needs to understand that outrageous grace, to preach outrageous grace, it is something that has to happen in you first. That means uh, you to be a person that is propagating grace or one that is preaching grace or teaching grace. Grace has to first work in your life. So that means it has to be me first. That's where it starts. The starting point of grace is always me first. Because if it is not me first, then I want to say then lots of grace that we can hear, which is not me first, can be grace that is learnt, or grace that is studied, or grace that is, uh, what you call it, copied. And um, I want to say that when you propagate anything that has been copied then it's not experiential. So when it's not experiential, it doesn't have with it or it doesn't carry with it the dynamo's power. But when grace is in me first, then it's something that has that you understand which is a divine encounter. There's a powerful verse of scripture and I like the Apostle Paul that he was so open about what he used to be and what he is now in Christ. And uh, that verse will come on the screen. It's 1 Timothy chapter 11. I'm in chapter 1 and verse number 11. 1 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 11. It says, according to the glorious gospel of the blessed God. Isn't it wonderful, the words? The glorious gospel of the blessed God, which was committed to my trust. This old message of outrageous grace which commences in me first, is committed to your trust. Can you imagine God raising up a man like John Bassaman and committing to him, committing to him, this glorious gospel, and committing it to your trust? That that alone is outrageous grace. Because how can this blessed God commit to me, sinful man, that, that is outrageous grace. That that alone is outrageous grace. That God, that is holy, commits to men or commits to a man and commits to him and trusts him that he will be the, the one that will not only receive grace or experience grace, but he will be the one that will be able to preach grace and teach grace. That alone is outrageous. It is outrageous. So in verse number 12, it says, And I thank Christ Jesus our Lord who hath enabled me. We need to understand that outrageous grace to be preached is a divine enablement. It is not something that because I'm an eloquent speaker... It's got nothing to do because I know where to cross my T's and where to stop at the full stop and how to speak uh, uh, the language properly so that I could be a good orator. Because if you understood who the Apostle Paul was, that if he, I think that uh, physically if he was a man who stood even behind a pulpit, that uh, his very, very looks would not be desired because he was a short, stunted, dwarfed man. As an apostle. So he was not kind of a a preacher that one will say is somebody who is an handsome guy. Because grace has got nothing to do with how you look. Because you need to understand that is why he says, I thank Christ Jesus our Lord. He says, who hath enabled me in that he counted me faithful. God has counted this man faithful. He counted me faithful, putting me into the ministry. It has got nothing to do with my desire. It's got nothing to do with it's me that wants to be in the ministry. Or it is something that I want to pursue as a career. No. Outrageous grace is that he counted me faithful. And he put me into the ministry. All right? And this is the words of the Apostle Paul. In verse number 13, he says, Who was before a blasphemer? I was before a blasphemer, a persecutor, an injurious. But he says, but I have obtained mercy because I did it ignorantly in unbelief. Amen. Verse number 14. He says, and the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ was exceeding abundant with faith and love, which is in Christ Jesus. Verse number 15. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation is that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I'm chief. It's amazing that for you to talk about outrageous grace, outrageous grace can only be demonstrated to the worst of sinners. You have to be the chief of sinners. You know, you can't be a goody goody and expecting to be preaching grace. No, I used to be a blasphemer. I used to be a persecutor. I used to be injurious. But now that I'm in Christ. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Verse number 16. Verse number 16. How be it for this cause I obtain mercy. Is it? That in me first. Come on, somebody talk to me. Hallelujah. That in me first. Now, all of us need to understand that every other apostle, every other apostle was an apostle that walked with Christ. This was an apostle who did not walk with Christ. This is a post-resurrection apostle. Like everyone that is sitting tonight in this church, you are all post-resurrection. Amen. You didn't walk with Christ. And so Paul is saying, he says that in me first. He says that Jesus Christ might show forth all long suffering for a pattern to them that should year after believe on him to life everlasting. So the Apostle Paul is saying this whole thing about outrageous grace has to start in me first. But when it starts in me first, then I become a pattern. So that means for all New Testament believers who believe in the message and the glorious gospel called grace. Paul is saying, I am the pattern. And because Paul is the pattern, then we need to understand how does the pattern work? Well, how does the pattern work? Here's the pattern. The pattern works in two stages. Stage number one, on the road to Damascus. Stage number one. What is stage number one? Simple. Who are you, Lord? Lord. Stage number one of outrageous grace is you spend your entire lifetime in pursuit of who are you, Lord? So that means everything is based on intimacy and your personal relationship with God. Who are you, Lord? Stage number two is what would you have me to do? It's amazing that a lot of preachers preach about grace and they don't talk about works. Because they say you save by grace and not by works. But what you need to understand, we save by grace and not by works, but we are saved for works, unto works. Hallelujah. Praise God. Amen. Is this awesome? So we need to understand that Paul is saying, I'm a pattern of outrageous grace. I'm a pattern. It happens in me first. It's an experiential thing, it starts off with me. I'm a pattern. And what's the pattern? Stage one Who are you, Lord? There's something about outrageous graces that means the rest of your life, even till the time of your death. You would even arrive at that stage and you would still say that I might know him in the power of his resurrection. And to be made conformable unto his death and to have a fellowship even of his suffering. So that means when it comes to the knowing of the Lord, you will spend all of your lifetime knowing the Lord. Amen. I've just said to my congregation this morning is that uh, I've been serving the Lord and reading my Bible from a seven year old boy. And in all those times, I thought that, you know, I would uh, know everything in Scripture. But the amazing thing is this that no matter how much you've preached, and no matter how much you've read, and no matter how much you've studied, and no matter how much you've meditated, Every time you open the Bible, it's something fresh. So there's never going to be a time in your life when you're going to say you have arrived. There's always going to be that divine pursuit of getting to know God more and more and more. So the amazing thing is about the Apostle Paul, and he said, I'm the pattern. And that is what he said was, he says, what would you have me to do? I want to know why. I have been given this deposit of outrageous grace. What would you want me to do? Amen. Hallelujah. Even though Paul said, me first, but you also know that he was last of all. He said, me first, but last of all. I mean, it's amazing that he's me first. He's he's the first one, but he says, I'm also the last of all. So if you read 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse number 8, this is what Paul is saying. He says, and last of all, you were seen of me, also of one born out of due time. So Paul is saying, even though it's me first, but I'm the last. I'm the last of all. You were seen of Peter. You were seen of by Thomas. You were seen by John. You were seen by 500 men or more than 500 men. But last of all, you was seen of me. He's talking about on the road to Damascus when he met the resurrected Christ. He says, I'm the last one to see him. But even though I was last, but I was, I'm was, i the me first. As a post-resurrection. Oh, come on, somebody. <laughs> Hallelujah. But not, not only am I the last, come on, watch this. Not only am I I'm the last, but see what verse number nine says. He says, I'm also the least. I'm not only the last, but I'm the least. Of the apostle, why? It says, "I am not meet to be called an apostle, because I persecuted the church of God." It says, "Me first, last of all, least of the apostles." Amen. And verse number ten, I love it. But by whom oh I? Oh, come on, all you outrageous grace people, come on, hallelujah! <laughs> but by. The grace of God, I am what I am. Hallelujah. And His grace, which was bestowed upon me, was not in vain, but I labored more abundantly than they all. And I could hear today when people came and testified how long you've been in this ministry and how long you've been blessed with the ministry of Pastor John and Pastor Bev. And then you need to realize these two people, this couple, this ministry team, has labored abundantly. Paul said, I labored abundantly. He says, I labored more abundantly than they all. He says, yet not I. He says, but the grace of God which was with me. Sure. I've come to realize... That uh, when it comes to ministry, there's a very, very close connection with ministry and grace. You see, grace comes in, uh, in four parts. The first part of grace comes from God as Father, which is a grace that we must understand. The Bible says that Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. That kind of grace that comes from the Father is a different Kind of grace because it's a grace that comes with an assignment. And when it comes with an assignment, it's got to do with something, it's got to do with a building. Why? Because it's a saving of a household. Are you all with me? When grace comes from God the Father, God as Father, it always comes with an assignment. That means it has to come with an assignment. Because Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. And the next thing, build me an ark. And the next thing, for the saving of the household. Hallelujah. Notice what has happened here at Airport Christian Fellowship. It's got to do with building. It's an assignment. Hallelujah. Praise God. And it's an assignment when there is a building and there is going to be an assignment. That means this man of God had sleepless nights, I think, when it came to the building. You might be thinking where resources are going to come from, where finances are going to come from. But that is the part of grace when God entrusted entrusts a man. He gives him the ability. That means he's not operating outside of grace. He's operating in grace. Wow. That is why he has the tenacity and he has the strength. And he could, he could suffer long and he could stand there. When others try to give up, he could still be there then you know that grace comes from the Father. But let me say also that a lot of people talk about the grace of Jesus Christ, but don't talk about the grace of God. So but when the grace comes from the Father, it's always with an assignment. That means when grace comes from God the Father, as a father, there's an assignment. But grace also comes from the Holy Spirit. And whenever grace comes from the Holy Spirit, it comes to empower Grace comes to empower. Grace comes to enable. Grace comes to give you ability that you don't even have within your own self. That means you will be able to do things that you yourself will be surprised. That how in the world did I do this? That is grace that comes from the Holy Ghost. There are times, might be in the life and ministry of Pastor John and Pastor Bev, when they looked at themselves and said. How is it possible that we could do such thing? Then it's divine enablement and divine empowerment. Can somebody say amen? Amen. Hallelujah. Praise God. But then grace comes from Jesus Christ also. And this grace, when we're talking about ministry grace, because we're talking here tonight to honor a man that is in the ministry, a woman of God that is in the ministry. And so when grace comes from Jesus Christ, basically this is what happens. It is Jesus taking all his gifts and giving it. And how does he do that? It says that he ascended to the Father. He that, he says, when he ascended to the Father, he gave gifts to men. So, what gifts did he give? It says that he gave gifts to men. That means he took of himself and he gave it. And when he did that, he says he gave some apostles. Some prophets, some pastors, some teachers, some evangelists. And what we all need to understand is that your pastor is a gift of grace from Jesus. Now, in many quarters, people will say, don't say that, don't say that, don't say that. They will say, don't say that because they don't believe it. Jesus actually emptied himself and took his pastoral ministry and gave it to men. Took his apostolic ministry and gave it to men. Took his prophetic ministry and gave it to humanity. Took his evangelistic ministry and gave it to humanity. He took his teaching ministry and gave it to humanity. And let me say to every person that is here today, Jesus is well and alive on planet earth And the reason why he's alive and well on planet earth, because his gifts are here. Amen. Isn't it awesome? Hallelujah. Praise God. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise God. It's, I feel good tonight, Pastor John, to preach like this. Amen. You know why? I'll tell you why. Because, uh, like, uh, can you imagine? It's like you have to think now. You know? I have to preach like Kulula. Amen. Hallelujah. But here's the other part that a lot of people don't know. And sometimes a lot of people in church life don't know. And because they don't know, they treat pastors harshly. And because they don't know, they don't honor the men of God. And I'm not talking about you. I'm talking about those people outside. And, uh, <laughs> but, uh, what I want to say to you, come on, all of you, you've been in church life for long. You've been, maybe you've come from places where men of God are not honored. And tonight is a, is a service of honor. Hallelujah. It's a service of celebration. It's a service of honor. Sometimes, maybe some of you say like, you know, how could I, because I'm not in the ministry. You say, I'm not in the ministry. How in the world am I going to, I mean, I don't have an assignment. I don't have an assignment to build. I don't have an assignment. I don't have that kind of assignment. God has never given me that kind of assignment. And then sometimes some of us, we say, how can we do that? Well, there's a powerful verse of scripture. And it's found in Philippians chapter 1 and verse number 7. Hallelujah. This is what the Apostle Paul said. He says, even as it is meet for me to think this of all of you, because I have you in my heart. Hallelujah. How many of you know that? (laughs) I'm a pastor also. And I have all my people on my heart. My wife is here, Pearl. We have all the people of God upon our heart. When something happens to them, it happens to us. When they have pain, we have pain. When they're in a hospital, we'll free for them. You know, you get what I'm saying? Is It's because the reason why a pastor feels like that, the reason why he feels that way, is because you need to understand that you will feel exactly like how Jesus will feel. Because the gift that you have is a gift of Christ. Amen. So Paul is saying, even as it is meet for me to think this of all of you, because I have you in my heart, he says, in so much as both in my bonds that in the defense of, and confirmation of the gospel, he says, you all are partakers of my grace. You see, it's very, very easy to believe the grace of God. It's very, very easy to believe the grace of the Holy Spirit. It's very, very easy to believe the grace of Jesus Christ. But it's very, very hard to believe there can be grace of a man. This is a dimension that I must say that uh, that is so important that, uh, that can actually today bring, if I could say, 2020 here. There's a grace on this man of God. So what happens is this, you become a partaker of His grace. And how do you become a partaker of His grace? You become a partaker by somebody's grace. So that means everything that is upon the man of God is also upon you. Even though this ministry is uh, locally based, but I can see you are globally faced. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. And let me tell you something, that Paul, in his past life, if you read the, the Acts of the Apostles, then you, you would understand, according to Scripture, it's amazing how this man is introduced in the Bible. He's introduced as a persecutor. He's introduced as a murderer. He is introduced as a person that is, uh, that is how he is introduced in the New Testament. That's the way he is introduced. He is introduced as a Saul, not as a Paul. He is introduced as a Saul. But uh, I find it really, really strange that uh, how the Holy Spirit is introduced in the book of Acts. The Holy Spirit is introduced by Acts 1.8. Acts eight says. He says that when the Holy Spirit is come upon you, you shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost comes upon you. You shall be witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria. And then it says, and until the ends of the earth. But it's amazing how Paul is introduced in the New Testament. And this is really outrageous grace. How is he introduced? He's introduced actually towards the end of chapter 7 of Acts where he is standing as a young man, and uh, all the clothing, or rather of these men, uh, they, they, they put it all there because these guys were carrying stones to stone Stephen. So that is how he's introduced. And then it goes on to Acts chapter 8, verse 1, not one eight, eight one. And, oh, come on somebody. Wow. Hallelujah. It's like 1-8 says, when the Holy Ghost comes upon you, you shall be my witnesses. And, In Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And then comes Acts chapter 8 and verse 1. It says, and the persecution and the slaughter started by Paul. It says, it scattered the believers that they went to Judea and Samaria. Come on, somebody talk to me. It says, they went to Judea and they went to Samaria And it says, and that's what it says, he went to Judea and to Samaria. So why did God give outrageous grace to this crazy man who was a murderer, who was an injurious, and who was a persecutor of the church? It's simply because it will be that same man that will take the gospel to the ends of the earth. Because after chapter 8 is chapter 9.
1: <laughs> revelation, isn't
0: it? Amen. Some of you said, Wow, what a revelation after 8 is 9. <laughs> Amen. But that is where the thing happens. And when it happens there, the Bible says eventually Paul goes through this stuff, right? He goes through the old conversion, he goes through everything. But then, in, uh, you know, scripture says eventually Paul. Down his ministry, he he hears the Macedonian call. And when he hears the Macedonian call, Macedonia is in Europe. And then the gospel reached Europe through this amazing man. And from Europe, missionaries went to the ends of the earth. Amen so i feel honored to be connected with pastor john and pastor bev and i feel so honored and i feel humbled i just want to say that you know the ministry that i have i mean i want to be honest you know i'm not reaching as so much people as you are but i want to say man of god thank god for outrageous grace And thank God for what God is doing in your ministry and even as you commence new churches and plant new churches. And I want to close by saying this, that Pastor John, you are not only the pastor of this church, but you also are a pastor of pastors. That means it's very, very rare that you would get a man of God where other men of God will gravitate towards you. Because you need to understand that sometimes men of God would like to stay away from men of God. Yeah, amen. It's good that your pastor is telling the truth now. I'm speaking the truth. Yeah, there are men of God that would like to stay away. That means they don't want to, because they're afraid, you know, and that type of thing. But when men of God, and I see people that are here today as men of God, and you gravitate to a father of the house, even though you got your local fellowships, then I want to say to you that he is a pastor also of pastors. So congratulations to both of you and may the Lord richly bless you. Amen. Thank you.